Hello and welcome to the Brain Care Podcast, a practical and impactful series of snappy episodes on how to optimize your mental health and performance so you can reach your full potential. My name is Dan Murray-Serta, and I'm the co-founder at Heights. We make smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help you take care of your brain so it can take care of you. In today's episode, Re is back, this time to let us know how to love food and do it guilt-free. Thank God. Why do you think that we feel guilty at all about food? It's cultural, it's messages, it's psychology, it's body size, shape, images we see in the media. And often, unfortunately, we're made to feel responsible. So the only thing we can control very quickly and easily is food. That's the one thing everybody can choose to open their mouth to eat or close their mouth not to eat. And therefore, it becomes a very complex issue. So we're very used to seeing one body type in the media that could play a role. Thankfully, times are changing and we're starting to see more, more cultures, we're starting to see more skin colours, more body sizes. And that's really, really good. And it's so important for people. But also, what, what does your culture say? Is it, you know, do you, do people comment on your size and shape when you go to family functions? That sort of thing. These are the issues that spiral and cause us to have these problems with food and take the enjoyment out completely rather than it being social. Some countries have it right. I'd say the Mediterranean is a really good example of food being seen as family, as fun, as society of get together. That would be a good way of looking at food. I mean, obviously, some people are going to point to a very fair argument, which is genes, right? So obviously, people will all have that friend that can eat whatever they want, never put on any weight, etc. Whereas you feel like you put on weight so easily for eating very little or doing very little wrong. And that can be quite defeatist. So how do you deal with those two types of people that might come to your clinic? It's true. Um, A lot of people forget that some people are actually also, I will add, desperate to put on weight and they can't. We've got to stop judging books by the cover and realise that people are real people with emotions and feelings and they've got to where they are with their relationship with food for a reason so yes there are those genetically people call them genetically blessed people that seem to be able to eat what they want but actually it does not make them healthier and I cannot express that enough it's called um I hate using these two words I really don't want to but I'm going to have to, to describe what I want to say it's called skinny fat syndrome which needs to change the definition needs to change where someone's organs may contain a lot of extra fat and adipose deposits. They may not have a lot of lean muscle mass. They they may appear on the outside as quite slender, but they may be quite weak and not strong. Whereas somebody that may appear to be overweight may actually not be. They may be carrying a lot more muscle and their build is just slightly larger. So when I'm working with these two individuals, that's exactly what they are, their individual approaches. And we look at their psychology and nutrition completely in different ends of the ball game, completely different spectrums. What do you think are some of the most common misconceptions people have about food and how to relate to them psychologically? I think the biggest misconceptions would be carbohydrates, uh, psychologically. Yeah, I could see you smiling when I said that because I think everybody has a thing or they've it's ingrained in them that having a pizza is really bad it's you know it's a it's a treat night therefore a treat must be bad for you because it's a treat right 
So the mindset and the rule we've got is anything that we enjoy is bad for us, which which is not true at all. If, if you break it down, the psychology, a pizza is a balanced meal, depending how it's made, I'm going to add, might not be a famous high street chain one, but something that's a bit more traditional. Um, your base is carbohydrate. Your toppings would be vegetables. Your protein would be whatever protein you add or the cheese that you have on your pizza. If it's a vegan pizza, you can have vegan cheese or you can have pulses. And that's actually with a drizzle of olive oil, if it's cooked that way with minimal salt, could be a very, very balanced meal. So it's definitely reframing how you see food, how you choose to see food. If you look at pizza as it's going to really satisfy me, give me one of my five a day, that's really different, right? To I'm going to have a pizza and I'm going to feel really bad afterwards and I'm going to really punish myself for it afterwards. You've just made my wife's night 100%. I can just tell that she's in another room and can't wait to tell me about the five nights a week she's now going to be eating pizza. Right. Well, I'm, I'm going to add a caveat to that and say it's the type of pizza you can see. Why don't you get making them at home? Get a pit of bread. And... To be fair, that's what we uh, we do, do. It's actually quite fun and very easy. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's a good family one as well. The hack for everyone is to use a tortilla as a base and then you don't even have to make the dough. So easy. Um, right. Okay. That's a little uh, diverse into my personal life so we can go back into back, <laughs> back into, into mine science. okay <laughs> um i think in a sense uh like a lot of people love food but struggle with that second part right which is feeling guilt-free so how do you suggest that people approach eating guilt-free if they've always felt that way Address the rules in your head, write them down. I cannot express to you enough how when you realise how you talk to yourself internally, it is huge. If you leave the house every morning, this is an example, you look in the mirror, do you ever say, wow, well, some of you might, I look great today. I mean, I don't think we talk to ourselves in the right way. And the same goes for when we're at the dinner table. We do not talk internally in our heads and say, this is a very satisfying meal. Look at all the wonderful nutrients I'm eating. I'm getting loads of vitamins. I'm eating a rainbow. This is great. We rarely feel like that. So it's unbreaking the diet rules that we've built up. And this actually is a process called intuitive eating. Um, we actually have someone in our clinic who does that only works on intuitive eating. It's such a big area. Um, so saying no to the diet police, we say, that's very useful. If you hear that voice in your head saying, oh, I can't eat that right now then get the rational one in and have a think about it. And what would your response be? If it were a friend saying that to you, what would you say to your friend? Surely you wouldn't be nasty to your friend. You would say something kind and reassuring. So it's, it's gradually building it up. Address it, take it out of your head, put it on paper it can really help. so complicated though right because presumably there are actually lots of benefits of that guilty feeling too in the same way as stress can actually be good for you uh, of course going the other way and never feeling guilty about what you eat can lead to you over Ill, overeating getting ill health and therefore all the negatives that come with that so in some respect you've got to say that guilt is a healthy psychological function too no or is there a different way to analyze where the balance is I like that. I'm going to rephrase it. And instead of using the word guilt, just acknowledgement. I think acknowledging rather than the feeling. You don't need to put the emotion to it because that's just not a pleasant emotion. Guilt is a, is a terrible emotion to feel. So instead of feeling the emotion, just acknowledge the situation. Okay, so I had an indulgence tonight. That was fun, but I know for my health or for my, how I feel in my body right now, 
that that's probably not going to be how I'm going to do tomorrow. Tomorrow I might walk a bit more. Tomorrow I might start the day with some super healthy porridge for breakfast and know that I'm on a roll and I'm going to call a friend. And it is to being responsible for your own lifestyle and your own health behaviours. Sometimes you need someone else to hold you accountable. And I would say having someone you can talk to, a friend, even about food or about getting out for a walk, God, having the motivation. I mean, I'm a new mum and I know how hard it is to leave the house. So if I don't make a plan with someone I'm going to call on my walk. I mean, sometimes I just wouldn't leave. (laughs) Okay, so what are your top three tips for eating and loving food and doing it, last time we'll say it, guilt-free? Tip number one would probably be address your food world. What is your food world? What foods do you think, and we do this in the clinic and the traffic light exercises, are in inverted commas good, I don't like calling foods good or bad, or in your eyes, bad. So... Red for items you never allow yourself because they're just, you know, like, I don't know, deep fried donuts or something. Those items tend to go in the red category, right? Amber, the middle light, could be something you allow yourself occasionally. It could be that indulgent granola we just discussed, or it could be that you have trying to think of something amber that comes up in the clinic a lot nut butters seem to come up like peanut butter and stuff seem to come up in amber a lot because there's still a lot of phobia around adding nuts to food especially peanuts because they're considered very fatty and they are a fattier nut and then green would be lots of vegetables and fruits and things that people are like well I obviously should eat that all the time so try and do that exercise and then start questioning why they're in that category and is it such a bad thing they are is that helpful to you If it's not helpful, then try and move a red item to amber and introduce it into your diet occasionally. And that's something we'll work on in the clinic. So that would be my my first tip. Tip number two to eliminate feeling guilt would be to talk, talk out loud. And if you can't talk, write. You've got to get it out. If you internalise it, it's only going to create a vicious cycle and probably more unhealthy behaviour patterns like over-exercising maybe to compensate other compensatory factors can be working, overworking, overexercising, eating too much, eating too little, turning to alcohol, hopefully not turning to drugs, smoking, you name it, we've all got our vices. Identify them and replace your vice with something else halfway through. Maybe try and treat yourself to, instead of going out for that takeaway that night, if that's what you're doing every night, start with the ready meal and then introduce a healthy fake away at home that you can try and cook. The final tip, so we've got speaking out loud and trying new things, traffic light list. I think for being guilt-free, it's being kind. Try and say something nice to yourself every single time you identify a feeling of guilt. So, well, I do feel guilty about last night, but actually today I'm quite proud of myself because I managed to put the dinner on for my family and do bath time, and do all the million and other one things that are in your life. I don't know, you managed to finish your essay if you're at uni or you did a proposal at work. And just be kind to yourself and acknowledge it's a long process, but you can make a start at it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brain Care Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and follow us at your heights on Instagram and Twitter for daily doses of brain care. If you want to know more about how healthy your brain is, you can head to yourheights.com forward slash brain health to get your free score from one to 100. See you next time.